it's very different in all aspects of how I do my life now compared to the last 33 years where there's some diabetes factor, right? And the hard part too is I remember my, my nurse educator, she told me uh, diabetes isn't going to label you, but unfortunately with how much, how involved it is in my life, it's hard not to feel like that is me now, right? It's like, it just feels like Jake is, is just, I'm no longer Jake. I'm Jake with diabetes. And unfortunately I feel like it, it takes a higher um, presence in my life than I actually would like. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, I'm doing a hot seat coaching session with Jake. Jake was diagnosed with diabetes about two years ago at the age of 33. And since then, Jake has been struggling with mourning the loss of his life before diabetes. Jake lived without diabetes for over 33 years. And over the past two years, Jake has really been missing and struggling with missing his life before diabetes, being able to take a walk without having to worry about sugar, being able to jump on a plane and go wherever he wants to go, being able to go out and have beer and French fries and hamburgers with his buddies without concern. And now for Jake, life has changed and he wonders whether or not life will ever be as free and flexible as it was before. In this episode, I coach Jake and help him to see that even though life has changed, he can be free and flexible. He can do the things he loves with diabetes, and he can do them in the same way that he could before. Maybe with a little bit more thought, but he can have just as much fun and get just as much enjoyment out of these activities. Here's my coaching session with Jake. Jake, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So why don't we start off by having you introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about your diabetes story and what's going on for you right now. Sure. Um, My diabetes story is fairly new. Um, uh, When the pandemic first started, I uh, started feeling ill of some sort. Uh, You know, not really too much of it. Um, Obviously, it was hard to really kind of do anything because, you know, everyone's worried about COVID and everything. I live my own. So just kind of uh, started going through the things, just thinking it was maybe the flu or maybe it was COVID. What is it exactly? No clue. Um, And then it started getting worse and worse. And by day five of staying home, it just boom tanked and ended up going to the hospital. And, uh, they told me I had a sugar of 62 or I think it's like 1100 and something in, in milligrams per deciliter. Uh, so I was DK. Uh, I was diagnosed as type one that day. And that was, I was the age of 33. So I have been, I've had type one for two years now. Um, every day is new. Every day is new. There's something always new. I feel like I'm relearning my life from, you know, walking to, to running, to eating food, to exercise, everything you can even imagine. I feel like I'm relearning how to do it and how to do it differently with diabetes. I have lots of questions around this, but the first one is, what have you found to be the most challenging thing to, as you say, relearn? Um, the hardest part so far, because I had such a long life, 
prior to my diagnosis is mm-hmm. the fact that everything I do, um, I realized that it was easier before, right? Two years ago, uh, this wasn't a problem. Two years ago, I could go for a walk and I have to bring a snack. Two years ago, I could clean the house and not have to worry about going low. I could, you know, or whatever it may be, right? And now it's, it's just, uh, it's just a fact that I know it was easier. It's just different, right? So trying to make that adjustment really is uh, difficult. Yeah, so you mentioned going for a walk or cleaning the house. Anything that's been surprising to you that's been more challenging? Food, honestly. Uh, food, because before I was diagnosed, uh, I was like many others who don't really know much about type 1 diabetes before, right? So the whole thing of just avoid sugar. But then you realize it's not that easy. Um, everything has sugar and it's not just sugar you look like it look at its carbs and all that stuff right so it's the mental gymnastics you have to do when looking at any food uh to the point where i actually don't i used to really enjoy uh eating food and eating desserts trying new things but now i actually hold back because i can't you can't properly guess sometimes right you can't guess how much carb is in something and then therefore put the right amount of insulin and if you do it's like am i going to go low am i going to go too high is is it going to go too high throughout the night like what's going on right so it's that's been probably one of the harder harder parts too is food unfortunately yeah and food is such a big part of our lives in terms of social aspects and just everyday nutrition that it's something that's just constant for you i would imagine yeah definitely where have you looked for resources in the two years you've been diagnosed to help you to try to figure all this stuff out, both the informational parts around, you know, how to, how to count carbs, how to navigate that stuff, but also the emotional part. So in, in terms of the trying to figure out the day to day, like, you know, figuring out your bolus or basal, um, how insulin works, all, all that kind of stuff. I did seek help with a diabetes educator when I was released from the hospital. Um, they actually set me up with one and I was been working with one ever since. So that helps in terms of the how to guide of living with diabetes. But in terms of the mental aspect, I have been unable to really find much of anything really that really kind of pinpoints what's actually like how to actually fix things and do things mentally. It seems like that's the, the missing key to my whole life so far in the last two years. Yeah. And before we dive into that, I want to just ask, you were diagnosed two years ago, right at the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. So really, your entire COVID experience, which is new for all of us, was layered with diabetes. And I'm wondering how that made things more challenging for you being on lockdown, especially in Canada, where your lockdowns are even more intense than they were in the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, It was kind of a blessing in disguise, too, though. Um, It was... was Honestly, COVID was, was, is a complete afterthought during the last two years. Um, I even had COVID and, but it was, it was nothing compared to going DK. Um, but I have been working from home and that made it easier because I was able to, you know, manage my lows if I was, you know, cause you don't know what you're doing kind of thing and everything. It was just the fact that everything was on lockdown helped me kind of, it, it helped me kind of just dip my toes in the water in terms of doing things. Um, and learning how it is and then trying to adjust and then do something else when something else opened up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of a blessing in disguise and then the, the whole part, but it helped me kind of really just kind of hone in on it, focus on that. Cause obviously you couldn't go anywhere. Right. So it was just helping just pinpoint everything, learn everything and kind of expand. 
And how have you been doing recently with things opening up in terms of being able to go out and dive a little deeper into the world of restaurants and social activities and things outside of your house? Um, I'm managing. Um, I've obviously there's day there's better days than others. Um, restaurants are still kind of a Pandora's box for me. Uh, I was out with friends, I think uh, a couple weekends ago and we were sitting there and everyone's ordering this one meal. It was, it was a, looked delicious, sounded delicious. It was like a beef with mushroom risotto. And I was, I actually wanted it, but the thing is I didn't go for it because I wasn't sure how much carb would be in it. Therefore I couldn't figure out, I didn't want to deal with a high in the middle of the night or going low later. So I just said, you know what, I'm not going to have that. I'm just going to go with a salmon and vegetables to avoid that kind of situation. So restaurants are a bit tricky. I still try and, 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 and splurge every so often, but I'm really reining it in, um, in terms of, if I don't know it, I, I'm not going to go for it really. Right. But sometimes you just kind of crave, you know, a big stack of pancakes and you say, okay, I'll deal with it later. But if I do it for breakfast, you know, it's a different situation. I can kind of manage it and throughout the day. Um, but other than that, I, I have gone for hikes. Um, I have gone like, uh, traveling. I did, I did travel, um, out West to Canada and that was a different, even now, even boarding a plane and everything was a different kind of situation because going through TSA and they're like, I'm like, I can't walk through this detector thing. They're like, why not? And like, cause I am pretty much a cyborg and I can't take this off, you know? So it's like, it's very different in all aspects of how I do my life now compared to the last 33 years where there's some diabetes factor. Right. And the hard part too, is I remember my, my nurse educator, she told me, uh, diabetes isn't going to label you, but unfortunately with how much, how involved it is in my life, it's hard not to feel like that is me now. Right. It's like, it just feels like Jake is, is just, I'm no longer Jake. I'm Jake with diabetes. And unfortunately I feel like it, it takes a higher um, presence in my life. than I actually would like. When we talked last week, you told me that one of your biggest challenges was trying to figure out how to mourn the loss of your life before diabetes. You were diagnosed when you were 33. And so you had 33 years of life without diabetes. I was diagnosed when I was 21. So I had 21 years of life without diabetes. And people who are diagnosed younger at two or five or 10, they have less time without diabetes. And so maybe it's a little easier for them to get used to life, having to take insulin, having to think about all of these things. But for you, being diagnosed at 33 and still being relatively newly diagnosed that's been challenging for you. And I want to hear a little bit more about you, your experience missing your life before diabetes. You know, you're, you're, you have 33 years prior and now two mm-hmm. years post. And yep. I know that you're struggling with trying to come to terms with the fact that this is your life now, that when you go out for dinner, you have to make some choices. When you go out for a hike, you have to t- take sugar with you. What's been challenging for you in terms of n- making that transition and then missing what you had before? Um, yeah, to speak on that point, like I'm, I'm actually envious of those who, to an extent of those who, who were diagnosed younger, uh, because that idea of knowing different in, in, in a most sense, an easier time is, is not, it's, it's difficult to process, you know, it's the, um, when you go, when I go through like any day-to-day thing, you know, and, and there's days where you want to be super productive and it just doesn't really unfold that way because you're just going low and you're trying to figure out why. And then there's, there's, you know, it's, 
then you have to like cr- like treat it and then go try and go do it again but then it just keeps happening i've had those days i've had days where it's like just a constant battle where it's like i'm insulin resistant for a few days why is that it's like and on top of that is is i find i was a very spontaneous person before diabetes where i would be like you know um out on the whim go somewhere you know just kind of but i feel like now I kind of can't be that spontaneous because there's so much you have to prepare for with diabetes, right? Like if I go somewhere, I need to make sure I have enough of all the medical supplies under the sun in order to just kind of do this activity. Or if I go on a hike, I need to have all these, you know, juice boxes or candy or something. And it's like, it. I feel like there's a lot more prep time for everything, a lot more planning, which I was just, you know, fly the seat of my pants, just go ex- explore, go have fun and worry about consequences later. I can't do that anymore. And I think that's the hardest, like that's part of the hard adjustment is just, it's, it's just, there's, I feel like I'm mentally always thinking about it. And I think that's, that's almost, I'm thinking about it so much where I'm not actually thinking about the, the, the things I can be doing or how to do things or the fun parts that, you know, of it, but it's just, I'm always thinking about diabetes and how I have to manage it and how I have to take care of it and how I have to plan for this, that, and the other. It's just, it's mentally frustrating now, I think, and and taxing and the same point. How much time do you spend thinking about the past of your life before diabetes? Um, pretty frequently, actually. Um, a lot when I was first diagnosed, when I first, when I was first diagnosed, I, uh, I was, I, I wasn't sure what I can do. Um, and I was actually having like flashbacks, to everything I did do, you know, um, because I wasn't allowed to drive for like a, like a solid month after I got out of the hospital because my sugars were still high. Um, my family wouldn't let me do a whole lot of anything. They thought I was, I felt like a dependent, like I, I couldn't be independent anymore. Um, so I, I think back with the things I have done, um, like for example, I, I went to Scotland in 2019 and uh all i went there is i had my first airbnb my flight and my rental car booked and i was gone for two weeks now i'm and i just lived out of like almost a suitcase kind of thing now it's like what would it be like if i did that with diabetes and how would that work right like i climbed a mountain in 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 scotland and it took me seven hours and all i took was a few protein bars and a bottle of water but it's like now if i did that same thing again how much more would i need and then flash forward to my day-to-day stuff now and again like i said before it's like you know if you if if i'm outside doing work or if i'm out with friends and i go low go high or whatever it may be and it's just you realize i just keep thinking it's like this this wasn't a thing before and this mm-hmm. is now holding me i feel like i'm almost being held back in a stick sense. it's like hey i want to do this well you can't because you're, you're going low or it's like i want to eat this i can't because that might send you too high because you have no clue what's in it yeah well, it sounds like there's a couple of different things going on for you. The the one is the very real frustration and stress that you could go low or you could go high if you eat something. And we can't really change that. But then what happens is you're thinking about and comparing it to the past and saying, oh, man, I wish I was back there. I wish I still had that freedom. And yeah. I wonder how much harder that makes it when you, you know, keep not by your own fault at all, but you keep going back to that place of, oh, life before diabetes, life after diabetes, and having that 
comparison kind of always at the forefront of your mind. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to think like that when that happens, but the problem is it's, it's so hard not to, you know, when, when you live such a normal life before, now you have a new normal and that new normal is not what you want, but it's, mm-hmm. what you're, you know, it's the cards you're, it's like the hand you were dealt, right? So you kind of just have to play it. It's just, it's hard not to think about before. Um, no, and you, and you've done nothing wrong as you're struggling with this. This is, I think, a normal experience for many people, especially folks who are diagnosed as adults, but certainly folks who are diagnosed as children as well. A couple more questions before we get into the coaching part of this. Um, it sounds like you got some messages from your family when you were first diagnosed that you were dependent, that you needed help and that you couldn't do certain things. Yeah. Did, yeah, did, you, did you feel that way? Honestly, I questioned it. Um, okay. Because I was my, my shirt was so high um, when I was in the hospital and when I got out, I, I felt... Um, physically like slower in a sense. Like I just felt like I wasn't as reactive or my, my motor skills weren't as well as they used to be. Even mm-hmm. mentally, I felt like I was sluggish, you know, and now I'm wondering, is this going to be forever for me? Or is this just a phase? Is it going to get better? I have no clue. You're, you're, I'm in this, you know, journey that I'd never been on. It's a path that's completely unknown. Um, so I have no clue. I actually, because my sister was staying at my house for two weeks and I told her she had to leave. I told you, I went to her, I said, you have to leave because I need to figure something out on my own because I can't be dependent on people for the rest of my life. I, I'm not that person. I, I pretty much went back to work early. I told her she had to go home because I needed to feel independent to some extent because I, I, I felt, I've never, like, I felt very just useless in a sense like i couldn't do anything you know i couldn't make my own meals i couldn't do it's like i felt like i just couldn't i couldn't do much i felt like i was a shell of my former self mm-hmm. yeah and it sounds like part of that was because you questioned whether or not this would be what you'd be like forever that, that it would be this challenging that you feel this held back and yeah. how long that would last for yeah it, it was completely unknown right it, uh you have no clue how the future, what the future entails. So it's hard to even tell what it's going to be like, especially, and then I never met really anybody with type one prior um, to even have an idea of what their life was like. So it was completely uncharted territory for me. Mm -hmm. Over the past couple of years, how have things gotten better for you or worse for you in terms of the stress and the mental gymnastics of diabetes? I feel like overall things have gotten better, but it's still very unknown. And a mm-hmm. lot of um, situations where you, I, I, there's no answers, right? And I, and I think for me is, is I'm, a, I'm by trade, I'm, I'm a very much a problem solver, right? So it's like I'm given a problem, I could solve it and then figure things out. I feel like I can't do that with diabetes. I feel like it's a problem I, I can never solve because I never have all the information and there's no actual solution. If you were able to solve it, what would that look like for you? If I was able to solve it. Without making it go away. So you can't, yeah, there's no, there's no yeah. cure, but, but the, you have a solution to whatever it is you're looking for. What would that look like? I think it would be just being able to live as close 
as a life, if not better than what I had before. Okay. I feel like that's a toll. That's a high bar. Do you have hope that that's a possibility? Um, I feel like it, I could without the, I don't know. Cause the mental gymnastics and everything on top of trying to figure, try to live as normal life, life as uh, I was, it's, it seems daunting and very mm-hmm. like impossible to some time. Right. It's just on the day to day, you think about so much stuff. It's like, it's hard to really see yourself as you were before, right. Doing everything you were, where I could just go out and, you know, have fun, do whatever, and not have to worry about any kind of consequences. I feel like there's always that back of my mind. There's always gonna be the consequences of my actions in regards to, where, you know, doing this exercise or eating this kind of food or whatever it may be. Um, I, I, I think it could be better, but I just feel like I'll, it'll never be what it was. It'll be different, but I think that it can get to the point where you want it to. And here's a couple suggestions for you as to how to make that happen. I think the first is to, is to work to tell yourself. And I know that it may sound a little bit fake at first, but work to tell yourself that it is possible to be able to live a free and flexible life. It may not feel that way right now, but you're, that you're going to work towards that and that it leave, that leave that glimmer of hope as a possibility. Because if you feel like it's not possible, it's not going to be possible. And it becomes, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for you. And so I think mm-hmm. I want you to, to trust me if you're willing to, and you not, may not believe me, but trust me that if you, if you continue down the path you're going down and keep working at it, that it can become possible. And when, once we have that basis of hope, then it's time to start testing that out. Imagine right now that we were able to give you a plane ticket to back to Scotland and gave you two weeks off of work and gave you a backpack full of sugar. How would you feel about taking that hike up by Nevis again? I would do it. Um, I would do it because I want to prove to myself that I could do it. Okay. Um, it'll be pretty difficult to actually go about it. Kind of be, you know, looking at my, you know, my Dexcom the whole way up, watching my sugars go, but I would, I would totally would do it again if I could. And then at the end of the hike, imagine you had an awesome hike. You got backed out to the bottom. How would you feel? I would feel, I would feel more like my past life is is still attainable. Mm -hmm. It still could do what I used to do. Yeah. And so I hope that you can see that part of the process, and this is not an easy thing to do, is to push yourself out of your comfort zone and to allow yourself to get evidence, whether it's evidence that you can do it or evidence you're going to have challenges around what it's going to be like or what it is like to do things that are scary. Mm -hmm. Because if you stay back and don't do them, and I don't think that you are doing that, but if you were to stay back and say, I'm never going to travel again, then what, what's happening for you is that you're reinforcing that belief for yourself that it's not possible with no possibility that it'll ever, it can ever change because you're not allowing new evidence to come in. So mm-hmm. by, going in, by going out and doing things, whether it's hiking in Scotland or whether it's going for a, a run or a swim or whatever you want to do, you allow evidence so that you can make decisions based on facts as opposed to based on the fears that you're having. That requires you to push yourself out of the comfort zone and, and trust that you're going to be able to handle it. But 
I think that you have that ability and it's a matter of just practicing. And then once you do it and you are successful, which you will be in many times, you gain confidence to do more things and to do it again. And that can help you to kind of regain that sense of adventure that you're, that you're missing. Another thing that I would suggest to you is to give yourself some grace around your blood sugars. And I always tell people with high blood sugars, especially in the lows, we don't want to mess with. But with high blood sugars, there are different types of highs. So some of the, there's sometimes you you have a piece of pizza and some French fries, and your blood sugar goes high, and it's you know two fifty three hundred, or in Canadian terms, you know twelve or thirteen, and you feel fine, but you're just frustrated because you see that number on your CGM or on your meter, yeah. and that's and the, it's a frustration that gets in your way as opposed to how you actually feel physically. And that's the other highs, you know, where you just feel awful and you're like, why on earth did I eat that? Like, I, I would never, I don't want to put myself through that kind of stress. And you want to ask yourself, you know, in terms of your flexibility with eating and other things is, am I willing to allow myself to be frustrated with my blood sugars as long as I don't feel too bad, as long as I feel like I can function? And if the answer is yes, then that gives you some freedom as well, because while we don't want you to have to sustain high blood sugars over a long, long period of time, having a high blood sugar every once in a while, especially if you were able to eat food that you enjoy, and as you get more practice, you'll learn how to bolus for those things more accurately and using extended boluses and dual weight boluses and all those things that we have available to us now. But allowing yourself the ability to tolerate the frustration that you may feel when your blood sugar goes high, because then you can go out and do things and not worry about them so much that it's going to have a big impact. Uh, and also be able to trust yourself that if you go low, that yeah, it'll suck, but you'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to bring yourself back up, especially with the technology that you have. So when people are first diagnosed, it's totally normal to be very controlling um, to use a term I don't really like very much around your blood sugars because you want to be in as high control as possible, both mm -hmm. for your health, but also for your frustration. And I want you to become accustomed to becoming a little less controlling and allowing things to be more variable, at least on certain days, especially when you want to make a, you want to go out for dinner with your girlfriend, or you want to go on a trip, you know, giving yourself that grace to be able to allow that to happen and see that you can handle it, but also see that you can rein yourself back in and manage your blood sugars effectively and then make choices to splurge. And I think that by doing that, that will give you that flexibility. What we see happen is when people are so restricted how they eat or what they do in their life, all of a sudden that restriction kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden it explodes. And we, don't, we want to kind of let that air out in a stable way over time, as opposed to getting to the point where you hit a breaking point, either in your behavior or worse than your frustration and your anger. And I think that giving yourself some grace and being flexible with yourself and your blood sugars can be a great way to do that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I find, uh, it, like you mentioned, it's kind of sometimes it's the frustration of just being high or being low. That really gets me too, because I don't want to, obviously no one wants to be there. No. And especially when you think you did everything right, where you think you kind of like, you know, I'm in activity mode or I took the right amount of bolus and everything. And then it just happens. And I think it's a frustration. I, I don't like being over 10. 
you know, in, in, you know, so, but, so when it happens, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. It's just the frustrating part to get over. Yeah. And it's not, it's not easy. It's not fun, but I think that by giving yourself the grace, it'll, you'll become more flexible and feel more freedom. And I would encourage you to start small. I would encourage you, you know, say you're going to go out for a date with your girlfriend or with out for some beers with some buddies at some point. You say, okay, I'm going to give myself the night off. And I don't mean the night off of managing diabetes. Of course, you Mm -hmm. want a bolus for your food. But the night night off of being overly concerned if my blood sugar goes high. And because I want to enjoy the French fries and the the burger and the beer. And Mm -hmm. see what happens. See one how that feels for you. See if you actually do go as high as you think you are and see if the high impacts you. And then the next day, you know, dial it back. Because the last thing I want to say is go out and eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and don't worry about your high blood sugars. That's a recipe for complications and also a recipe for just not feeling well all the time. Mm-hmm. But if it's once a week or on special occasions or times when you make an intentional choice, then that allows you the fun and the the enjoyment of it without having to worry about it on an ongoing basis. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely try that. I'm going on vacation with my wife in a couple of weeks. And whenever I'm on vacation, I, I give myself permission to not worry about my blood sugars too much. I will eat, I generally don't eat carbs for breakfast, but I'll have pancakes and croissants and all kinds of fun stuff for breakfast. And I'll have French fries for lunch and I'll, and I, I manage my diabetes the best that I can. But I also say right now I'm on vacation, I'm trying to have fun. And it's more important for me to enjoy the food, enjoy my experience, then make sure my blood sugar is in range all the time. And the only exception to that is if my blood sugar is out of range and I feel awful, it's impacting my ability to have fun. Mm-hmm. Then dialing it back is, is helpful because there's a benefit to me. But saying, nah, I'm going to have the salad instead of the french fries at lunch, that to me feels restrictive and it makes me mad. And so on vacation, I say, I'm going to just let myself go. Knowing, what, knowing that when I get back, I'm going to make sure that my blood sugars are in better range because I know that I'll feel better. And it's easier for me to function and do my work when I'm at that point. But Mm. for those four days on vacation, I'm not so worried about it. And I would encourage you to allow that for yourself as well on vacation or just, just a Saturday night. Yeah, no, I, I'll try and be more like that. I'll try and be more, give myself more leniency and be less strict. Yeah. And, and also know that, you know, you're relatively new to this. So I can say this, you know, with experience of living with diabetes for 23 years and you're two years in. And so you will, as you move forward in your life with diabetes, I think you'll be willing to take more liberties, not putting yourself at risk, but allowing yourself that grace and you'll learn. And also the mental gymnastics, while they never become easy, they become easier because you learn your patterns and you learn kind of what's, what's what and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And so then it's no longer front of mind. It's kind of there, but in the background. And I think that if, if you allow yourself to be patient and give yourself that opportunity, you'll see that, that over time and hopefully not too much more time, it will get easier for you. Yeah, I hope it does. Um, yeah, I hope it gets that's, that's kind of one of my biggest hopes, actually, is that with time, it gets easier. I just find the last two years, it just seems like a longer journey than I thought it would be. I mean, that's probably because yeah. I just am still new to it and don't know much about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those diseases that you far more complex than people think. It's not just avoiding sugar, which is 
very simplified uh, way of describing it. Exactly. Well, the fact that you're willing to have this conversation and you're willing to work towards that, I think, is a good positive sign and gives me a lot of hope for you, Jake. Thanks. Thank you for the help. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I uh, hope to have you back at some point um, in a couple of months and see how you're doing. Yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. All right. Well, thank you, Jake. Thank you, my friend. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Before we go today, I have a quick question for you. Do you want to find a way to stop having to put your life on the back burner to diabetes? Like Jake, do you want to find a way to become more free and flexible and be able to push yourself in your life with diabetes so you don't feel like diabetes is holding you back and you feel like you can do whatever you want, even with diabetes long for the ride? If so, I want to invite you to join the Diabetes Psychologist membership. In this membership, you will gain the confidence that you need to do whatever you want in your life without letting diabetes hold you back. This membership includes weekly interactive sessions with me where you can ask questions, get support, and get personalized hot seat coaching. It includes a community, so you'll never feel alone again with type 1 diabetes. And also it includes a library of resources, so you get information and support to guide you in helping you to get unstuck and not feel like diabetes is holding you back. To join the membership, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash membership. And I cannot wait to see you there. If this episode has been helpful for you, let me ask you a favor. Share it with a friend. Put a link into a text message or an email and send it to them and let them know how valuable you found it and how they could benefit too. And of course, I always love hearing from my listeners. So if you have any questions or want to be a hot seat coaching guest on a future episode of the podcast, send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com or DM me on Instagram at thediabetespsychologist. And of course, be sure to tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. Remember, type 1 diabetes is not easy, but you can have an easier time with it. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.